1: Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelsner.
0: Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host Michael Stelsner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I am very excited about today's show. Today, I'll be joined by John Lee Dumas from Entrepreneur on Fire, and we're gonna explore how to build relationships with interviews that ultimately grow your business. And before we get into that interview, I have something very cool to share with you I've never done before, and it's a lot of fun. I'm doing a little contest, and what I want you to do right now, but not if you're driving, you're driving, come back to this point later, is to take a picture of yourself wherever you are listening to my show and share the photo with me. And what I'll be doing is I'll be picking one person to give an autographed copy of my book and you'll get 30 minutes of Skype time with me to talk about anything you want related to your business. Here's how to do it. It's very simple. Step number one is to pull out your smartphone and take a picture of yourself listening to my show. Step number two is to visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash 95. Socialmediaexaminer.com 95. Scroll down to the very end of the article to the comment section and then start typing in a comment and then click the little picture of a mountain that shows up just underneath the comment box. If you haven't typed in a comment, it'll say something like join the discussion and then uh, you'll see it. And this does work on a mobile phone. Upload the picture and then leave a comment and then, you know, basically just submit the comment. I'm going to be looking at all those pictures and I will be picking a winner within seven days of the launch of this podcast. Now, if you're coming back to this podcast weeks and weeks later after it's been published, well, just do it for the fun of it, because I would love to see your picture. It kind of helps me understand where in the world people are listening to the show, and I think it'll be just a lot of fun. Something I've never tried before, and it would just be really cool if you would consider doing something like that. Again, visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash 95, scroll all the way to the bottom. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash updates. Okay, with that, let's move on to today's interview with John about relationship marketing with interviews.
1: Helping you simplify your social safari. Here's this week's expert guide.
0: I'm very excited to be joined today by John Lee Dumas. If you don't know who John is, he's the author of the book Podcast Launch and host of the very successful Entrepreneur on Fire podcast, a top-ranked business podcast, as a matter of fact, in the top 10 in the business category. John's podcast is a daily show, and he has interviewed more than 600 business owners in about the last year and a half. John, welcome to the show.
1: Michael, I'm excited to be here, and of course, prepared to ignite.
0: So today, John and I are gonna explore how interviewing people, whether it's via a podcast, in audio or whether it's on video or whether it's even in writing, how these interviews with experts can help build super powerful relationships that can ultimately help your business. John, before I get into your story, did the idea of doing interviews of people come naturally for you or is this something that you had to work at?
1: It was something I had to work at every single day. And in fact, when I interviewed my first few guests on Entrepreneur on Fire, it was truly my first few interviews. And if you go back and listen to episodes one through 50, it's pretty obvious. So what were you thinking then? (laughs) I was like, man, you know, I just know that I love these great podcast interviews that are being done by people like Andrew Warner and Pat Flynn and David Seitman Garland. I, I just see this, this void, this niche that needs to be filled for a seven-day-a-week podcast and nobody's doing it. I know I'm not going to be good to start, but I mean, heck, heck I got to start somewhere. So why not get out there and start interviewing some people in the space if they'll talk to me, which was obviously a huge question mark at first. But luckily, for a number of reasons, they did. I got that ball rolling. But man, it was, it was a slow and steady start
0: when did you when did you kind of get your sea legs if you understand what i'm saying how many interviews did you feel like you did before and and we should explain to people kind of in the beginning how you were doing your interviews because you were batch processing right total bash
1: processing and i would have to say the exact number was around 50 it was starting around the number 55 60 time frame where i'm like okay, I'm not totally freaking out at every single second of these interviews. I'm feeling a little comfortable with my responses, but it was still a process, and I still get a little bit better every single interview. And as you mentioned in the intro, Michael, I was, I'm actually currently at 608 episodes now since launch, and it's been a great ride, but I did bash process from the very beginning because I knew to do that daily show, I had to have a system in place. So every single Monday since I've launched – I've done eight interviews on that Monday, starting at 8 a.m., doing one on the hour, every hour through 4 p.m.
0: Okay, so let's give a little context to this. So what we're really saying here is that it took you a couple months Because you batch these interviews to really get down to the point where you feel like you got your interviews down really well, right? Because I would imagine in the beginning, you know, you probably felt you were fine. But then when you started listening to yourself and you you started, am I right? And when when you started seeing, okay, hmm, and learning things, I mean, it doesn't – said another way, John – Um, I'm not sure it's going to take everyone 50 episodes, but because you batched it, I think your learning was kind of, uh, you know, um, stretched out over weeks and it doesn't need to be 50 episodes because most people probably will never get to 50 episodes. Don't you agree?
1: I do totally agree because I did those 50 episodes, Michael, in just a few weeks. So it's it was more of a time thing as far as the number of days than an actual number of episodes. Because when I was doing eight interviews every single day, I was getting a little bit better that day of interviewing. So it's totally not that number of episodes. It's that actually time thinking about being an interview, actually practicing being a host and doing the things that it takes. So I totally agree with that sentiment.
0: And you know, what's really funny is I... I'm recording a brand new podcast called Parenting Adventures. And I randomly sampled some of the podcasts just yesterday for someone in my office. And I just happened to hear myself say, uh, um, uh, uh, now I've done, I've done over a thousand interviews, um, not just in podcasts. So I guess where I'm going with this, John is you do not need to be perfect. And I think some of the people you've mentioned are purposely not perfect. Like Pat Flynn is, just Pat Flynn. And what's great about Pat is all of his imperfections and everything is out there for the world to see, but people love listening to him because he's real, right?
1: Podcasting is meant to be that engaging relaxed interaction with your guests. And if you're trying to be perfect, then you're right. You're not coming across as genuine or as authentic. And you're definitely not going to resonate as much as Pat's able to resonate with his guests. I mean, I was listening to one of his episodes like three days ago, Michael, and he just sneezed during the episode. He's like, oops, my bad. I'll probably edit that out. And he didn't, which was hysterical. (laughs) And I'm running and I'm laughing and I like Pat Flynn a little bit more now. So I mean, it's just one of those things where be yourself don't edit out every um or every deep breath and believe me i was you know resident number one who was doing that i was going through with a fine tooth comb just like picking out everything i could and those hours that i wasted if i could go back those would be the first things i would have just skipped at the very beginning and just been me john lee dumas and when i started doing that i actually started getting emails from my guests being like john We love seeing your progression from where you were stilted, inexperienced, robotic to now where you're actually giving a little of your own personality. So for people that are out there thinking that they don't have the skills, have the capabilities, I mean, look at myself as an example. Those first 50 were struggles. I cringe, Michael, like you're talking about how you cringe when you listen to it a little bit and you say those ums and ahs and you just kind of sound like not yourself, so to speak. Just get out there, start talking into a microphone, have some fun, and believe me, you'll get the kind of reactions that you're looking for.
0: You know, when I think about traditional television, I think of someone like Barbara Walters, who is just normal. You know, when she sits down, you feel like you are spying on someone's conversation in someone's living room. And you think about the way she does that and and the reason why she's so good at what she does, and you compare that to someone else who is maybe a on-air personality that's all about sound bites. I think so many of us feel like we have to try to sound like the people that are the newscasters. And if we can just be ourselves, we can do a lot of cool things. So this has all been a setup, okay? This has all kind of been a, a staging, if you will, for what <laughs> we're about to talk about. And what, to summarize what's happened so far is you do not need to be an expert communicator. You do not need to be an awesome interviewer in order to be able to do interviews. Now, let's go back to your story, John. Um, what were you hoping to build way back in the day when you were in your car and you got the idea to start Entrepreneur on Fire. Said another way, what was your underlying strategy or premise behind the whole thing that you were about to build?
1: So my underlying premise, Michael, was I truly wanted to build a lifestyle business that I could be passionate about. And I knew to do that, I had to grow an audience. I had to be a leader in some area, in some industry, in some niche. And I heard podcasting and I connected with it. I understood why I was feeling close and having these intimate relationships with Andrew Warner and David seidman Garland and people like that whom I had never met And I still felt like, hey, I know these guys. I feel like I could talk to them if I saw them on the street, because I'm basically sitting in as a third person into all of these conversations. And that's kind of like what you mentioned with Barbara Walters. You kind of feel like you're just kind of joining her on a little conversation in her house. And that's the amazing part about podcasting. It feels very intimate and it's very captive and engaged. So I knew I wanted to do that. And I knew I had to be a little bit different and come out with that unique selling proposition. So that's when I had the aha moment for that seven-day-a-week podcast. And I said to myself, if I can interview people like Amy Porterfield, like Adam Baker, like Michael Stelzner, and share their journeys and really get out there and really give them a platform to, to share their inspiration with the world, then I could potentially build an audience from my Entrepreneur Fire platform to help me build that lifestyle business that I want to have because I'm passionate about those type of things. So that's when I started reaching out to people like yourself, Michael, like Adam Baker, and like Pat Flynn, and asking them to be guests on my show so I could build that platform from day one. Like That was my overriding goal, and that's what allowed me to overcome the fear of getting rejected. And there's actually a a little Michael Stelzner story I think would be a good time to interject here. Go for it. (laughs) So, of course, you were high on my radar, and I wanted you to be in my power 20 because I was really excited to come out with a big launch. So I reached out to Michael, and of course, he's a busy guy. He can't say yes to everybody. And just like I'm now in that situation, I would love to say yes to everybody, but I just can't bandwidth-wise. So I got that initial, no, I can't do it right now, John, which I totally understood, but I wasn't willing to stop. So I reached out to my friend, Cliff Ravenscraft, whom I was in a mastermind with it because I invested in myself and was able to connect with him through that. And because of that, he, who's very close to you, Michael, because he helped you learn how to podcast, was able to, in a way, vouch for me. So, you know, that's kind of a takeaway for the listeners that they can really realize that, you know, first of all, we all have that fear reaching out to people. You all have to start from somewhere. And the, the ability to actually build these connections and these relationships in this format can really help you go from one step to the other moving forward.
0: I want to roll back a little bit, John, on something you said before you shared this story. You said that when you wanted to start Entrepreneur on Fire, you understood that you first needed to build an audience. Now, this is a very important point that I want everyone who's listening to really understand. John did not feel comfortable doing interviews. As a matter of fact, he got his experience doing interviews by jumping into the fray and actually doing the podcast. So John didn't come with necessarily any interviewing skill to the table, but he did come with strategy and wisdom to know that he had to build an audience. And he knew where the audience was. The audience was amongst the people that he was interviewing. And John knew that if he could share their story, if he could shine the spotlight on these experts and give a gift to them, many of them, which do not get these kinds of gifts, would likely um, do something in return. And what were you hoping they would do in return, John? I mean, let's just dig a little bit deeper. I mean, you were really banking on some of these people, um, not just being interviewed by you, but perhaps reciprocating in some way, right?
1: 100%. That was my goal. That was my wish. Because Michael, saying like exactly along those lines of what you were just sharing... I was really looking to have my guests come on to Entrepreneur on Fire and not just talk about what they were successful with right now, which they were very comfortable about talking about, but I really wanted to break it down, not just for my listener, who I wanted to connect with these guests in a very intimate way by, show, by seeing that these guests could in fact fail, but I wanted these guests to come on and share that exact moment when they, in their past, did in fact fail and did fall on their face and face obstacles and challenges and had to overcome that. So I was bringing on these guests and having them share specifically one of those stories from back in the day, back in that story of their life, their entrepreneurial journey, And so when we were going through that and they were talking about that failure way back in the day, the lessons they learned, then moving forward just a little bit to an aha moment that they've had, then the steps they took to actually turn that idea into a success that they're currently having today. By the end of the interview, a lot of them were saying, John, I haven't talked about that for a long, long time. In fact, I haven't even thought about that for a long time. Can you let me know when this goes live because my audience has never seen this side of me. They've never heard of these stories before because I'm so focused on sharing with my audience what's working for me right now. And that's exactly what I was hoping for and exactly what I was banking on. So, Michael, with Entrepreneur on Fire, and one of the reasons it's become a top 10 business podcast and was awarded Best in iTunes 2013 is because every single day, seven days a week, the first email that goes out is to that guest on Entrepreneur on Fire whose interview went live saying... Michael, you shared an amazing journey on Entrepreneur on Fire, that failure, that aha moment. I would be honored if you would share that story, your journey with your audience. Here are all the links to do so. And then every single day, Michael, and this is happening every single day to this day, the last 608 days now, that entrepreneur on some level, some more than others, obviously, are taking that and sharing it with their audience. And that is continuing the snowball effect.
0: So this is this is kind of what I would call a multi-win strategy because what John has done is tapped into the fact that successful people love to share their story, um, and they often are not given the opportunity to share their story. So that's the first area of love is that he is hitting on something that these people would enjoy doing oftentimes. Secondly, people love to know the behind the scenes backstory of successful people. It's just like, take any favorite movie like Star Wars. My oldest daughter's into Star Wars. She is more into the making of Star Wars documentaries than she is the movie itself. So everybody wants to know how someone was made. They want to know what is it that got them to that success. And that makes it more um, relatable to people. So what John has tapped into is, is is a win from both angles. And the win for John is that he has an audience that loves it and shares it, and he has guests that love it and share it. And as a result, he's been able to, to, to grow his business. Now, John, you said earlier that you are at the 19-month mark. And I know you publicly share your revenue. So why don't you go ahead and just share the last two months revenue, just so people can understand how this has helped you grow your business.
1: Absolutely. And just to make a note, I love that Star Wars analogy, Michael. If you don't mind, I'm probably going to use that a few times in the future. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) It's perfect. It's perfect. So Michael, we mentioned Pat Flynn a few times because he's both a very good friend of both of ours. He lives here in San Diego And when I was first starting and getting into this entrepreneurial world, I was coming at it, my background Michael was, I was an officer in the US Army for eight years. Then I was in corporate finance. I had no online presence. I had no broadcasting experience whatsoever when I started. But I was starting to get into these entrepreneurs like Pat Flynn and he was doing this thing that just amazed me and I loved it. His monthly income reports. Because I could see with full transparency, what was working for him and what wasn't. So back in September, Kate and I made the decision that we were gonna start doing that for the podcasting world. So from every month forward from September, and then we actually went back and did a, a Entrepreneur on Fire, the first 365 days income report. So there's that as well. We break down all of our revenue. We break down every single way that we monetize, all of our different income streams. And then we also break down every single dollar amount that we spend all of our expenses and then we publish it every single month and we have it posted to the top of our actual website, entrepreneurandfire.com, because we want people to see A, what's working for us so they can emulate those successes, but B, we want them to see what's not working for us because we have way more failures and mistakes every single month than we have successes and we want to share those as well so you don't waste the time, energy and effort on those areas. but John, And
0: John, before you share the number, yeah. <laughs> you may not realize this, but what you are doing is giving them the behind the scenes and the making of John Dumas. And um, that's, what's exciting is because you are attracting entrepreneurs who want to build their business. And you are also on the journey of building your business by revealing this detail to them. You are actually attracting them even more to you. So now go ahead and just share what the last two months numbers were, if you don't mind.
1: Yeah, I do not mind whatsoever. And again, we go into detail on these at eofire.com slash income, where we break it all down. And Michael, when I first started getting into podcasting, that was everybody's number one question. John, how are you going to monetize? And I did not have the answer for them, and I did not monetize at all for the first nine months. But when we started monetizing, it started coming in in a big way because of our large audience that we grew So in March of 2014, we grossed $185,870 with a net, which is where I'm really proud of, Michael, because this is obviously after all of our expenses, which aren't small, but the percentage that they are, the actual profit margin is huge for normal businesses. Our net was $155,388 for the month of March. And for April, it was our biggest month ever. Uh, we, for the first time, broke the two hundred thousand mark for gross. We did two hundred and thirty-two thousand three hundred and ninety dollars gross, and one hundred and eighty thousand dollars, five hundred and fifteen dollars in net. I will say that this income report, this monthly blog post that we publish, is by far our most popular blog post. And you know. Um, so,
0: you know, John, you're on a, you're on about a two million dollar run rate for this fiscal year, if not higher, depending on your growth projections. Yes, And you know, he's only 19 months into this. So let's step back for a second. Um, relationship marketing, building these relationships with these experts by with the intent of growing an audience has allowed, John to be able to make an enormous amounts of money through various means like, and we're not going to get into those on this podcast. You can go check it out, but things like sponsorships, things like own his own products and services and eBooks and all that stuff and affiliate programs. But the moral of the story here is John built the audience on the back of interviews. And that I think is a business model that I know at Social Media Examiner, we have done since day one. As a matter of fact, John, you may or may not know this, but I went, before I launched Social Media Examiner, I took a camera crew with me to uh, two different conferences, New Media uh, Blog World and Marketing Profs, and I wandered around the convention floor doing 10-minute on-camera interviews with these people. And I these- know
1: everything about you, Michael. In fact, that's <laughs> why I was so adamant about having you in my top 20, because you are one of the very few people that I studied when I was creating my business model for Entrepreneur on Fire.
0: Well, and, you know, see, there's two different case examples going on here because Social Media Examiner, the relationships that we have built by doing these interviews first on camera and now on the podcast, these are the very same people that are speaking at my conference. Right. You know, these are the very same people that are speaking at my online summits. And that is the predominant way that we make revenue. So I don't want to get too deep into this, but I just want to show you that here's two examples of multi-million dollar businesses. That are and you know John's newer to this game than I am, but that are um, you know that are that are built on the back of relationship marketing that's built on the back of really interviews with experts. So John, let's talk about some other not so obvious benefits that you've gained as a result of doing all these interviews with literally 600 people. You know what what, what have been some of the some of the you know. Help our audience understand what some of the maybe unrealized benefits of having, you know, um, done interviews with people. How have some of those relationships kind of grown?
1: So these relationships have grown in incredible ways. I mean, my whole speaking career was launched on the exact same way of actually interviewing people On my show. So, just having people on Entrepreneur on Fire, building that relationship, giving them a platform, you know, has now allowed me to speak at conferences like Rich Brooks Agents of Change, which we both spoke at, Michael, last year. And I was able to speak at Social Media Marketing World, your conference, Michael, this past March here in San Diego, Chris Ducker's conference in the Philippines, and Joe Pulitzi's Content Marketing Institute conference this coming September. I mean, the list goes on and on from where these relationships have now blossomed into where I'm actually going and being able to speak in front of large audiences at other people's conferences, which is an amazing opportunity. And when I first started, Michael, one of the major uh, pieces of feedback that I received from people like Cliff Ravenscraft and like Jamie Tardy, whom, by the way, gave me incredible amounts of positive feedback that I was able to apply to make my business successful. But one thing that they were concerned about, as I was too, was, John, how are you going to find enough guests for your show for this 365-day-a-week show? At about the six-month point, Michael, after launch, I actually hit this tipping point where I was getting more requests to be on the show than I could even have people on the show. And and now where we sit right now, in May of 2014, I get over 100 requests for people to be on Entrepreneur on Fire every single month. And my best requests by far, the ones that I really focus on, are from my past Entrepreneur on Fire guests. The Entrepreneur on Fire alumni continue to bring me incredible recommendations that I already look at as, as pre vetted. And I just can bring them onto the show knowing that they're going to be a home run. So I haven't even reached out for anybody to be on my show. That whole part of my bandwidth has been taken away. And that used to be a huge part of my bandwidth to find 30 busy entrepreneurs a month.
0: Okay. So let's back up for a second. Let's dig, let's, let, let, let's break this down. Let's go back to the beginning. Um, And because I think there's a lot of people right now that are like, okay, maybe I wanna do this, John. Um, So, in the beginning, how did you find who, how did you identify and recruit people that you wanted on the show in the beginning? And then let's talk about how you're doing it now.
1: It all began at a conference. And that's why I love conferences. I love going to conferences, I love interacting with people at conferences. And my first conference that I ever went to was Blog World New York City 2012. And at that conference, Michael, that's where I was first engaging with other attendees in this online entrepreneurship world. I was sitting in the front row with these amazing speakers And I was saying, those are the people that I want on this podcast. So I would sit around waiting and after I would go up and ask them questions and engage with them and ask them for that initial yes. And because I was in person now, Michael, because I wasn't just an email coming through, but I was standing there in front of them being very genuine and passionate about this idea I had for Entrepreneur on Fire, I got my first couple of yeses face-to-face, which was incredibly powerful. And then all I needed were those first few yeses, Michael, so I could go back to my studio in Maine. And then I could start sending out emails to people that maybe weren't there or who I couldn't talk to, but that who knew the names like Cliff Ravenscraft, Amy Porterfield, and Pat Flynn, and saw that if they were on my lineup, maybe it was worth 25 minutes of their time to come on Entrepreneur on Fire and share their journey.
0: And I just want to reiterate the the value of this. Um, you can develop a relationship face to face in a way that you can just never do over social media and going to conferences and getting to know the person really does allow you to, to, to get a yes much easier. I, I have said yes to a lot of people that I've met in person because I just connected with them in person where I would have never said yes if I was actually just emailed randomly by them. And I think this is important, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's costly to go to a conference, but if you're strategic about it, it can be absolutely humongous. So now, now that you've, um, got, you know, and eventually you're going to get to the point where John and me are, where there's more people that want to be on your show than you could possibly ever say yes to. So now, you know, um, I know you said you don't really need to reach out to people anymore, but there must have been like a middle mark where you had, you know, plenty of really good people in your, let's say you had 100 or 200, you know, in your arsenal of interviews and you weren't quite to the point where you just had a random, you know, mass influx of, of interviews. Like, what was the second level for you? Like, how did you decide... Was it just all referrals? Was it just all, hey, I've had these people that you might know like Seth Godin or this person on my show. Would you consider being on my show? Was it about leverage at that point?
1: So the bridge to the, those actual two points you're talking about, the pr- previous point where I really had to be that face-to-face and, and meet people at conferences and ask them to get that initial yes to where then I did have a little bit of social proof and a little bit of credibility to go out there via emails and say, hey, here's my show. It's a top-ranked show on iTunes, new and noteworthy. I'm getting this many downloads. I've had this many people on. You might recognize some of their names. Would you join me as well? That bridge to get to the point where I'm now getting way, well more inbounds than I could ever even have on my show, that was still a focus on conferences, Michael. But at this point, I wasn't going to conferences because I didn't need to continue to go to conferences on a monthly-to-month basis. I mean, I just didn't have the bandwidth for that. I still wanted to go to a four to six per year, and that's kind of always what I like to do to actually go in physical place for conferences. But what happens every single month when you open up Fast Company, you see all the entrepreneurial conferences. And if you have another niche or another industry and you're listening right now, your industry magazines will talk about them too. There are so many conferences in so many different industries around the world happening every single month. So what can you do sitting at home? You can go to the actual conference uh, websites, click on the speakers tab. And you have an incredible amount at your fingertips, hundreds of qualified, authority, successful people in that niche who are going to be speaking on that topic. And there's a reason why they're speaking on that topic, because they're looked at in that way, in that authority figure way. And that was a great way for me to bridge that gap. And- Just like you to reiterate your point, Michael, where I now will say yes to people in person, it was actually at your conference, Social Media Marketing World, that I stood up and said, listen, I got my start at a conference, so I want to just thank all of you guys for being here for my speech right now. And if anybody in this room right now wants me to be on their show to get them going, I say yes. And um, because of that, I'm now booked out through July um, for being on other shows. But it's just one of those ways that I love paying it forward.
0: That's awesome. Now, there are some people that you have on your wish list, your bucket list of people that you would love to interview. And I know Seth Godin. Seth Godin was one of those people You know, for me. And it's not just getting them on your list, but there may be someone you wanna do more than just get on your show. You actually wanna develop a relationship with them. And I'll confess, Michael Hyatt was one of those people for me, where I knew that I didn't just wanna get him in my show, I wanted to take it to the next level with this particular person. Now, John, you've interviewed hundreds and hundreds of people, and there are some people that you really wanted to develop a relationship with. What have you done to try to not just do the interview, but maybe do something more to take that relationship to the next level with some of these people?
1: So I can give you a really specific example on how that benefited me in a really powerful way. So I really admired Lewis House from afar for a very long time. He was about the same age as me, and the things that he had already done in his life were really impressive to me. And the fact that he was at that time in his life really pursuing his dream, which is to be on the U.S. Olympic handball team. So I just loved what he was all about. And I reached out to him multiple times to try to get him on the show so I could start to develop a relationship with him. And it wasn't easy because he was always traveling, out of country, busy, Long story short, finally I did, and I prepared the crap out of myself for that interview. I tried to do everything that I could, and then at the end of it, I really took that post-interview time to say, listen, Lewis, you have such a story, such a journey. Let me help you. No cost, You know, nothing else. I just want to get your voice out there. In the podcast, you know, because I know it'll impact a lot of people and he's like, you know, I've been thinking about it for a while, but I just don't have the time. I'm like, let me do it. Let me teach you how it's so easy. People think it's a lot of bandwidth, but it's not. Long story short, I helped him come up with and then launch the school of greatness by giving him some just mentorship in that area, which was the only area that I could mentor him in, which was podcasting. And since then, he's had a top 10 business podcast, the School of Greatness, and he's done some amazing things with it. So much so that that relationship that we formed just from that, Michael, allowed me to become his mentee. So he mentored me one-on-one for six months. That allowed the two of us to develop a relationship with iTunes because when I was awarded Best of iTunes 2013 and his show was just dominating as a new podcast, they called us up to iTunes headquarters. And basically share with us that we could start a network, which we now have called the Integrity Network, which is just a handful of entrepreneurial podcasts, some of people that we've already talked about here today, like Pat Flynn and Amy Porterfield. And that has given us incredible additional exposure. And all of this came from exactly your question, Michael. Like, who did I want to focus in on and develop a relationship with? And just like you've done that with Michael Hyatt, I've been able to do that with Lewis House.
0: Well, and you've done it with me too. And I think what's really interesting about this is the idea of giving more and giving more and giving more, you know, um, like for example, in your case, I think after our podcast Uh, interview, well, actually, I think way after I was on your show, you reached out to me and said, hey, I've got some tips that can help you uh, optimize your podcast. And would you like to talk about it? And you even, I think, made me a little video or something like that. So those are the kind of things that kind of got my attention. You know what I mean? And kind of went a little bit like beyond what normally you would expect from someone who's doing just an interview with you. And that's how you build relationships. And out of that relationship, you develop friendships and out of those friendships, things can happen. And that's exactly what's happened with you and Lewis. That's what's happened with you and me. That's what's happened with me and Chris Brogan and me and Michael Hyatt. And the list goes on and on and on. So, so the moral of the story is anybody who's listening right now, um, it's not just the interview itself that causes the relationship to be born. It's sometimes what happens before the interview with the face-to-face or the emails back and forth. Sometimes it happens what's after, what happens immediately after the interview in the 10 minutes or so where you're just shooting the breeze you know, with uh, whoever you just interviewed. And sometimes it's the stuff that happens way after the podcast even launched. And, and for whatever random reason, you reach out to that person. But you know, be strategic about that and you can do amazing things. Wouldn't you agree, John?
1: I mean, again, going back to day one, Michael, you were that person that I saw that was doing amazing things through interviews. And I wanted to emulate that. And I was so adamant about trying to have you as part of my power 20. And then, you know, just a handful of months later in the future, because of those things that you mentioned and us being able to form a small relationship. When I moved to San Diego, you know, we were able to take that to the next level. And, you know, I was able to invite you to meet me for lunch and you graciously said yes. And we've done so a couple of times since then. And to be sitting across the table from you having a lunch and just talking about podcasting and entrepreneurship in general was just a real moment for me, but it all was born from that desire to give and to just truly give value in any way possible.
0: Now, the last question I want to focus on John is a lot of people that are listening right now um might want to just aim for the stars and um you know, getting someone like um, you know, Seth Godin on your show or somebody like whoever else the super high profile people are, you know, like one of the guys off of Shark Tank on your show is not going to be super easy and I think we can both acknowledge that. Yes. But what are some tips that you would give to people when they want to go after the super high profile people, you know, give some of your thoughts on that.
1: So I have some very specific thoughts on this because when you're first starting out, listen, you're not going to be a great interview. You're not going to be a great broadcast host. I wasn't. And Unless you've had a lot of experience in the past, it's just not going to happen. So just launch, get that podcast out, get some people on the show early that you can really practice with and just have a fun time with and get more comfortable with and start building some kind of momentum, start building some kind of traction in some ways. And there's a great stat that our mutual friend Cliff Ravenscratch likes to share, Michael, is that 90% of podcasts never make it past episode seven. And believe me, the people that are high-level entrepreneurs out there, they get asked to be on shows a lot, they know that. So when they see that you're in pre-launch, or you don't have even more than 10 episodes, they're really gonna have to question, are you gonna be one of those 10% that actually make it past episode seven? Probably not. So do yourself a favor. Just get that podcast out there, launch it, have a great time developing your own personality in your comfort level. And then keep your eyes open. What I did, Michael, I kept my eyes open. And Tim Ferriss and Seth Godin were simultaneously in January of 2014, sorry, of 2013, were launching a book. Seth Godin was launching The Icarus Deception. Tim Ferriss was launching Four Hour Body. I reached out to them because I said, listen, I now have a platform. I'm generating about 100,000 downloads per month. I have Images of being a top-ranked iTunes new and noteworthy podcast. I have a great list of past guests. I've done about 50 episodes now. That package I could put together was very appealing for Seth and for Tim because the time was right and they were in promotion mode for their books to come on my show. And that was what it was all about. So build that foundation the right way.
0: Yeah, and I I, I want to key in on the book thing because there is one time in in the life of an expert where they are going to be open (laughs) almost to anyone, which is when they're promoting a book. And, um, because when someone is, when, when, they're promoting a book, their design, you know, strategy is especially these days to have blitz appearances on podcasts. So this is your opportunity, even if you're relatively new to strike when you know that someone who is super high profile in your industry has just released a book. And I'll give an example, I reached out to Gary Vaynerchuk when he came out with the Thank You Economy, and it was already 60 days after his book launch was over with and he said, "I'm sorry, I can't do the interview because he was done promoting the book." Now, I was able to get Gary on my show when Jab 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 Right Hook came out. And you know, that's just how it works. I mean, people that are at that particular caliber who are that busy, it's, you know, it's very hard for them to justify taking a half an hour out of their time to show up on somebody else's show, unless there is a reason for it. So you always have to put yourself in the shoes of that person and just ask yourself, why in the world would they ever want to talk to me? And if they have a book, that's a really good reason. And of course, all the things that John just mentioned are awesome reasons as well. John, um, last question which is about you. Where can people learn more about your show, your book, you, and all that fun stuff?
1: I like to keep things simple, Michael. It's eofire.com, that's where all the magic happens. And for people that are kind of having that little itch right now saying, wow, this podcasting thing sounds pretty cool. I mean, I know you and I, Michael, are both huge proponents of it, but we do a free live podcast workshop every single week. You can sign up for the next one at podcastersparadise.com.
0: Awesome. John Lee Dumas, author of Podcast Launch and the host of the Entrepreneur on Fire podcast on behalf of podcast listeners all over the world. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your knowledge.
1: It was truly my pleasure, Michael. Thank you so much.
0: Well, I hope you got a lot out of that interview. This is one of those secret sauce kind of behind the curtain, how I do what I do at Social Media Examiner kind of interviews. And you really could do it for your business as well. If there's anything that you missed, be sure to check out the notes. We take all the notes for you. Socialmediaexaminer.com slash 95. Also, I want to remind you about that photo contest. If you visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash 95, scroll to the bottom, take a selfie of yourself listening to my podcast and leave it there in the comment section. I'm going to pick one person. They're going to get 30 minute Skype call with me and an autographed copy of my book. One last request. If you love the show, would you do me a favor and help us get the word out by visiting socialmediaexaminer.com slash love. That will populate a tweet in your Twitter stream that says you recommend the show. Well, this does bring us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you in the driver's seat next week, and I hope you make the absolute best out of your day. And may social media continue to change your world.
1: The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner.
0: Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash getupdates.